Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. I think I'm going to pray because uh, you don't you don't move into a more I'm I'm conscious a more personally and spiritually sensitive topic than what we're about to talk about now. So I'm going to pray for us, and if you're part of the family, you can pray for me as we get into this message. Let's pray. Father, I would ask in this moment that there would already be a posture of openness and receptivity and courage, Heavenly Father, for each of us uh, to be willing and able to receive what it is that you would speak to us this morning, particularly when it comes to our money. And so, Father, as a pastor, I'm never more conscious of just how difficult and powerless I am in, in my own smarts to to get to the places in each of us, including myself, where we would do business with you in this area of our lives. And so I would ask now that you would move, that you would work amongst us by your Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here's the question. I I wonder what you would have if you didn't know what everyone else had. I'll ask it again. I wonder if, I wonder if you, I wonder what you would have if you didn't know what everyone else had. <laughs> I wonder what you would want if you had no idea what everyone else had. See, part of my problem is I know too much, <laughs> right? I know, like I know what I know what you have, and I know what they have, and I want to know what she has, and I know what he has, and so as a result, I know too much, and I'm constantly fueled by, in my life at least, this desire for more, and it butts up against and ruins and wrecks the homework that I gave you from last week. You remember your homework? If you're on our family email, the church family email, I gave it to you on email if you weren't in in the room last week, but uh, the homework was really answering this question. Uh, to what ends do you want your life to be a means? Uh, to, to what ends, to, to what ways do you want your life to have meaning and significance? And that's what we learned last week. And why that was so vital is that when you answer that question, then it's easier for your money to flow. And, and so this is why uh, the first question I asked butts up against that is because I, I'm a strategic guy. Most of you know that. I'm a strategic guy. Strengths finders, I am like all red. I am all strategy. I am all future focused. So answering that question is not an issue for me. My issue is when I answer that question, yeah, I want my life to be a means. When it comes to my money and letting go of my money, I'm like, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Like me, me and my money, like we're, we're just so much better together. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, we just have more fun together. Don't you find that you just seem to have more fun when you can have more fun with your money instead of someone else having fun with your money? <laughs> and that's the tension that we push up against, right? I feel like, hey, I'll just, I'll just preach to myself. That's fine. Uh, but, but that's the, the tension that we push up against is, is when we then want to live a meaningful life and it means letting go of our money. Often for us, we go, you know what? And, and like someone had said to me last week, uh, with a wonderful heart, they said, hey, like I'm, I'm, I'm all for giving money to others and giving money to the church, but you know, I'm, just, I'm just under so much financial pressure that, look, I'll, I'll just give when I'm able. And can I suggest to you this morning that, that if, we, if we dare to be real with ourselves, most of the financial pressure that you and I 
face has nothing to do with the amount of money we make. But it actually has everything to do with what we do with the money we make. Because Jesus says money or how much money you make, that is, that is not the issue. The issue is, is the wants or the needs or the desire or the dynamic that's happening beneath the money that is the real issue in all of this. That's what he's getting at. Now, before we get too deep into it, if you are not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, if, if, if someone's invited you here this morning to listen in or you've stumbled in here, from the internet, first of all, you're thinking, man, of all church services that I had to walk into, they're talking about money. They're not, they're not one of those churches, are they? Um, but can I say to you, uh, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, like this is the one message where you're going to be glad that's the case, right? Like if your friend dragged you in here, you're going to look at them and you're going to say, yeah, good luck with this, <laughs> right? Which means for the rest of us, we can feel it coming because we, this whole series about, is about what Jesus says about money. And when we look at what Jesus says about money or this dynamic beneath the money, he doesn't hold back. And he gets straight into it. And he says, Luke chapter 16, verse 15. Then he says to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. Now, when he said to them, who's... Who's them? Who's, who's Jesus talking to? Well, it, it struck me. It's fascinating in this passage. If you go through and read the beginning of uh, Luke uh, chapter 16, you'll, you'll see that, uh, that, that Jesus is he's talking about all, uh, all, sorts of, all, all sorts of different things, different stories. But he's talking to a crowd of like a, a couple of thousand people. They're trampling over each other. And so there's this dynamic in which Jesus talks to the crowd and then he's talking to his disciples, so they overhear. And so who's Jesus talking to? That's not really the question that I'm asking this morning. I'm saying, who's he, who's he talking to really? I mean, could he be talking to this morning the sort of person who, who they, they turn up with all of their stuff after work and they get to the screen door of their home and there's like three Amazon Prime packages all there at the, at, at the door and you don't even know what's in them. Right? You don't even know if you ordered them or not, but they're addressed to you and they're from you, so they're just there. Or, or is, he, is he talking to that sort of person where it's like Christmas every week for you? you know, those sorts of people where it's like, oh, there's enough, another gift for me. What is this? Oh, I don't know. Who gave it to me? Me. Oh, wow. Right. <laughs> or maybe he's talking to who, who I call the mall wanderers. Right? And you'll see a mall wanderer. They, they just they wander around shopping malls. And you ask a mall wanderer, you know, what is it, what is it that you really need? And they say to you, uh, I don't know, but I'll tell you when I see it. Okay. <laughs> I think he's talking to all of us. I think he's talking to everybody. Because Jesus knew the spiritual power and dynamic of money is the one thing that is constantly competing with him for our hearts. And so he, he tackles that head on. And he's questioned to you and he's questioned to me and he's questioned to all of us. He's, he's not, do you have money? His question is, does money have you? Has it got you by the throat? Is there a power over you with money? To which you and I respond, no, money hasn't got me. I don't have enough money for money to get me, right? <laughs> or it's like, um, it's like someone said to me the other day, they said, you know, if, if wealth was a test, I'd at least just like to take the exam. <laughs> I'd just like to see if I, if I pass or not, right? 
Like we look at it, we go, well, it's, 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 not, it's, it's not an issue for me because I haven't got that much of it. But I said last week, look, we need to think seriously about this. Like we see people with all of these mega millions and these movie stars and these rock stars with all this money. And we look at them, right? And we go, if we just had all of their money, we wouldn't have any problems. And I said last week that most of us in this room, at least by the statistics, are in the top 5% richest people in the world which means for this sample size here, it means that there is like 95% of the world's population that look at you and I and our lives this morning, no matter how rich or poor you feel in this auditorium this morning, and they look at us like we're rock stars. And they go on, how can they be stressed? How can they be pushed? How can they say they can't give anymore because they've got pressure in there? If I had their sort of money, my life would be fine. We, we miss this. How, how can it be? And it's got to, it's got to be the reason why Jesus says, watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. Talks about money 30 times more than anything else that, that, than he does when he tells these stories. And he says, watch out, because this first principle that we're going to get this morning is that greed has a spiritual power that causes us to be blinded to its presence. We just don't see it. It, it, it blinds us. We're, we're blind to that. Now, you know, notice, notice how Je- you know, Jesus doesn't say, watch out for all kinds of fornication. It's, you know, like, it's pretty obvious when that's happening, right? <laughs> he says, watch out for all type of greeds because we, we, don't, we don't see greed because we never know when we're committing greed and materialism. And like the proof for me is as a pastor, you know, my 12 years of being a full-time minister, you know, not once... Not once has this situation ever happened. You know, it happens over grief situations and married situations and situations in life. But, but no, no one has ever booked an appointment with me and come down and, and sat in my office and sat in my tub chair and I say to them, hey, what's happening for you? What's going on? No one once yet in 12 years has sat down in that chair and said, Sam, I've come to you today because I've got a problem with greed. We don't see it. Don't think it's our problem. Part of the reason, part of the reason is that it's because there's, there's always an er, right? Someone is always richer or wealthier or their house is bigger or their car is better. There is always an er. I call, I call it demographic stratification, and right, it's a dynamic when, when we're all in our little part of the world that we, we don't see the differences. And so we, we come at greed and materialism from a, from a humble position of frugality and sensibility, right? Because like, they're the, they're the greedy ones out there. They're the rich ones, not, not, not me. But we don't see this. Um, I, I don't see this. I, I remember where it hit me the most was I was on a ministry tour of Israel with about oh, 200 people from 99 different countries and uh, we were having breakfast and we were going out for the day on one of our day trips and we would take 10 US dollars for lunch and uh, a couple of the guys I was having breakfast with uh, were from uh, Malawi and, uh, and before we were about to get on the bus I noticed that they were all off raiding the breakfast bar and shoving all of the bits and pieces into their bag to which I thought that you know that's a little bit much you know, that's just, you know, there's, there's a buffet breakfast and then there's lunch. You know what I'm saying? Until I 
until I realized that the, the 10 US dollars that we were all taking to go and have our lunch was as much as they made in an entire day as a pastor. And I, we're reading the same Bible, we're talking the same Jesus, we've got the same heart for the church. And it was, it, it really, it's been the only moment in my life where I realized even as a pastor, you know, one of the humble ones, right? You could think that there's so many other errs out there. The one in the very few times in my life where I realized, yeah, I'm truly part of the top 5%. We don't see it. And, and so as a result, as a result, in not seeing greed or materialism, we always draw the line for it way much further away from ourselves than what it really is. But, but greed, greed, is, greed is simply this. Greed is simply this. I'll give you a definition. Greed is the assumption of consumption. Greed is that mindset and mentality that says, if it's in my bank account, it's for me. If, it, if I earned it, it is for me. If it came my way, it is for me. If it's in my super, it's for me. If it came from my super, it's for me. If it was, if it was an inheritance for me, it's for me. <laughs> if I won the lottery, praise God, it's a miracle. It's for me. It's just, greed's just simply the assumption of consumption that we just spend everything that we have onto ourselves and we talked last week as to why that is not necessarily the case in God's eyes. But look, Jesus says, look, 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 over and over again because unlike you know, everything else that he warns against in the Bible, this is the one thing that you can't see. So here's my thesis this morning. Because I know some, some, of, some of you, you know, you're thinking, um, I, I, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, look, if I, if I just had 50 or 100% more income, it wouldn't be an issue, Sam. You know, if I could if just double what I earned, it, it'd be fine. It'd be okay. But look, I want to ask you some diagnostic questions and you don't have to answer out aloud. Don't raise your hands. You know, don't nudge the person next to you. <laughs> don't stare at someone else across the auditorium. <laughs> answer this for yourself, but... But here's the question, how much more income would you need to finally be in a place where you would give from abundance? 5%? 10%? 50%? I mean, like if you, if, if you, if you went and the interest rates changed or someone gave you a pay rise, you got 20% more income in the bank this week, does that mean that you're necessarily going to run out and suddenly life is fine and I'm going to start giving away 15? No. Because greed, greed's like a gas. Whenever, whenever more room is created, then, then it just expands to fill that gap. Which, which, by the way, then, you know, for, for most of you, you know, if, if, you, if you went back to your, like, 15 year, 15 year ago or 20 year ago self, and if you look back and if you, if you told that 15 year ago self the sort of money that you're earning today, your 15 year ago self would look at you and go, oh, my goodness, you're rich. If I had the money that you are earning, then I'm, I'm never going to have issues when I grow up. <laughs> And, and, then, we, and then, we get, then we get the present day and we're, we're just as stressed. We're just as pushed. Because <laughs> it constantly expands. It's the assumption of consumption. And so what it means is it's never a money issue. It's a self-control issue, says Jesus. It's something that's constantly pushing in against us and we can't see it. So yeah, here's, here's the thesis. The thesis is... If we can clearly see it in everyone else, 
If, if, it's hap- if, if greed's an issue for everyone else that we can see so obviously in our friends' lives and our spouses' lives and you know, some, some church people, they can see it in everyone else in the church's lives. If we can see it in everyone else's lives, could it be assume, safe to assume that it's the case for me? That's the thesis. Maybe, maybe we're under this a lot more than we realize. And so you come to this fascinating verse that Jesus is telling this story. By the way, we're getting to the Bible now. You know, the, the studious people are thinking, oh my goodness, he's 10 minutes in. We haven't even talked about the Bible. Oh, that, was just, that was five minutes on watch out alone, right? And then, then we come in and Jesus tells this story in this parable. Uh, yeah, parable's a story that Jesus tells in order to prove a point. And he tells this story. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an, yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I've got no place to store my crops And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And so can you see what he's he's done there? He's just, he says, you know what that's an example of? That's an example of someone who just got 50% more income. And Jesus tells a story. He says, I know what human nature is like. You know what you're going to do if you get 50% more income? You're just going to build bigger barns. And the whole point that Jesus is trying to make is unless a passage like this, unless my words like this come in and push against you, shock you into thinking differently, you will always continue to walk out when it comes to giving and generosity and the giving away of your money exactly the same trajectories and exactly the same proportions as you've always done. Does that make sense? So Jesus says, I've I've got to get in your, your face about all of this. You're just always going to do what you're going to do. And so a couple of, couple of disciplines, a couple of things then that Jesus goes to show us that we can do in order to, to constantly shock ourselves out of this dynamic of treading out the same trajectories in life. He then goes down and he continues in this passage. He continues to say, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Here's the point. If you can't take it when you go, it was never yours anyway. You know, I think when it comes to our money, we're like, we're like five-year-old kids who've spent a little bit too long in the toy department of Maya. Have you ever seen that dynamic happening? <laughs> right? they, just, they just seem to get so attached. It's like Fluffy was, was meant to be theirs all along. You know, it's just... And, and, and the pain and the heartache is as you're moving down towards the checkout and telling, you've got to tell them that you've got to leave it behind. You know, at best you get a few tears. At worst, there's just a total temper tantrum. (laughs) When it comes to our money, it was was never ours to begin with, Jesus says. And we don't get credit for what we leave. We get credit for what we give in his eyes. And you know why? Because everyone leaves this earth with exactly the same amount of money in their hand. You want to know how much that is? He's, he's a pretty smart guy, isn't he, Jesus? He, underst- he understands how all of this works. He says, well, if you're leaving with nothing, it wasn't, it wasn't yours anyway. And God says for the vast majority of us, because everyone here, you know, Lower North Shore, Sydney, we're good at managing our money. He says for the vast majority of us, yeah, you're going to run out of time before you run out of money. And so if you can't take it with you go when you go, I think Phil Collins said that, didn't he, in one of his songs? then it was never yours anyway. And then he says, 
Verse 29, and do not set your heart on what you will eat and drink. Don't worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. What he's saying there is that if you want to jolt yourself out of this dynamic of greed, then prioritize something or someone over yourself. This is never a matter of either or or with Jesus. This is a matter of one and of two. It's a matter of priorities. Because somebody's kingdom has to come first, and it's either going to be your kingdom or it's going to be God's kingdom. And the way that you do this is by reorienting your finances. You put things first. You put someone else first. And Jesus knows what we'll all, or, or we'll all figure this out eventually, that, that we're, when we put us first, we eventually come last. And that sounds all biblical, but we, we, know, we know how that works practically in real life. Have you ever noticed this? Have you ever noticed that if it's just up to you in life, it's really difficult to say no to you? I'm like, oh, I just, you know, I, th- I, think, I think I might splurge, but then at the same time, I know Jesus says you should be there. You know, when you talk to you about those sorts of financial decisions, you never says no to you. Did you notice that? Oh, you deserve it. Oh, you've worked so hard. I mean, look, everyone else has got one. I, can't, I, love, I love talking to me. You know, me never argues with me. And what happens is that over, the, over a long period of time, when, when you never argue with you, then alter, so the other thing is you, you never masters you. When, when you do that over a prolonged period of time in life, you, you never get mastered by you. You get mastered by desires and appetite and by greed. So this whole dynamic, it's super smart from Jesus, says you put someone else ahead of you, then you're not going to be mastered by, you think, by yourself, you think. You're not going to be mastered by appetite and desire. You're going to be mastered by your good God and the order that I've put life to be and as how I've created it. You've got to put someone or something ahead of yourself. You've got to flip this script that says you were born here and you just consume all that you've got and that you just live it all up. And if, if, you, if you have a little bit left over, then you give it away. You know, that's still me first giving. Jesus says we've got to flip that script on all of that. And then he says this, and he just, man, this guy, he starts to push in. You know, I, I, I hate it when Jesus gets on a roll. I, <laughs> talk to, you, look at other, you look at other preachers and they're a lot more subtle, right? And then, and then Jesus just, he just keeps pushing in, sell your possessions and give to the poor. There we go. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near you and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the principle around all of this is that money is the one area, and you've heard me say this before, this is the one area of the spiritual life where your action must precede your intention. Have you noticed whenever we talk about spiritual formation, you get Dr. Andrew Renucci, our our campus pastor up here, Notice how we talk about the thought and the will and the mind and the emotions and how it leads to overflow in our life. This is the one area where it's totally back to front. What does Jesus say? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's just, he's just saying, that's the Nike principle when it comes to finances. Just do it. Just do it. Now look, I don't want to labor this point hugely in the whole process and time that we'll, we'll be having together through, um, through these weeks and as we head towards Celebration Sunday. And some of you know that, that I said last week that will be a, a time in which we call the church to think about your giving. If you're not giving 
on a regular basis to start giving regularly. If, if you're part of the family and you already are giving regularly, then maybe to take a step forward in faith. And, um, and I don't want to labour this, but, but Kristen and I, we've, we've already taken that step. Because on, on one hand, um, we would never call you to do anything that we weren't prepared to do ourselves personally. Um, but in, in that process of, of taking that step of faith to in, increase our tithe to the church, you know, c- can I share a secret with you? There wasn't like three days worth of fasting. There wasn't like tearing of shirts and lying prostrate before the Lord. You want to know how wonderfully email that decision was? Uh, wonderfully um, big that decision was? It was an email. It was an email. You just do it. You just do it. And then, by the way, that's when the prayer and the ripping of the shirt starts happening. <laughs> Just saying. So here's what I'm getting at. Is that, is that we've got to, if you're part of the family, that we have to, if you haven't already, and I know many of you already do this, and I am so thankful and I am so grateful for this. This church wouldn't exist if so many of you didn't live in this way. But we reorder our finances into this pattern, which is the opposite of the rest of the world. But the pattern goes like this, is that, that, that you give first, you save second, and you live on the rest. It's about the most simple financial equation you can get in terms of biblical giving. <laughs> you give first, you save second, and you live on the rest. And if you're part of the family, look, you're not, not everything's going to go to Northside. That's not our expectation, and that's not biblical giving. But at the same time, if you love this place and you're part of this place, why wouldn't you be investing into this on a regular basis? Why wouldn't we want to be called by God to take deeper and more courageous steps of faith into what it means to let go of our money? Sell your possessions, give to the poor. Now, by the way, Jesus is not saying do that literally. I know some of you are terrified. <laughs> I've seen people that have done that. Mark Scandrett, we had him as a guest speaker here. He did that in San Francisco. They sold their whole house and, and went and just lived on the street with the homeless in San Francisco. That's not what Jesus is saying. What, what he's saying here is, look, it's just this principle. If you, can tell, if, if you can tell your money to go, it's proof that it's not running the show. Right, that's all he's saying. Can you tell your money to go? Money, go. You're going to go to church. Money, you're going to go to this charity. Money, you're going to go to this neighbor that is in need. You know, whenever money talks back to you, it's like, but, 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 you go, shh, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. You're going to go. You're going to go. You're going to go and bless people. When you can tell it to go, it's not running the show. Because as I finished this morning, look, it, it all comes down to this. And Jesus squeezes us. He doesn't give us any wiggle room. He says, the test, the test as to whether you are a devoted follower of mine is your willingness to put me and other people ahead of your money and your finances. <laughs> have, you, have you ever noticed how much easier it is for us Christians to trust God with our sin than it is with our dollars and cents. Oh, Lord, I mucked it up this week. I'm so sorry. Oh, look, please, I hope they don't find out. Or please, look, just forgive me. I hope this situation will be the bit. Like, I mean, we're, we're happy to cry out to God in that way. But preacher starts talking about money. Jesus starts talking about money. Oof, don't you talk to me about that. It's my business. It's so much easier to trust God with our sin than it is with our dollars and cents. Because, you know, until, until we've surrendered our money to Jesus, we haven't really surrendered to him. That's the bottom line of it all. And so homework, homework again for this week. You didn't know it was going to be such a practical series. <laughs> um, 
the, the, the first one is to simply reorder your finances into that pattern of give, save, live. Just do it. Re- reorder in that way. Just do it. Look, and look, just, if you haven't done this before, just do it for a month. Just do it for a month and, and pick somewhere. Don't, you know, it doesn't have to come here. Just pick somewhere for that to happen. But most importantly, do that so you can listen to the inner conversations that you'll have in your head. And be honest. Be honest with yourself. Listen to all the, the questions and the fears and all the sorts of things that's going to go around inside you. Listen to that. The only way that you're going to get to that space and for God to do business with you is if you just do it. And maybe just maybe when you dig down, you'll find that what you're really dealing with is not just amounts of money, but something far deeper. Fear. Maybe a lack of trust. Maybe a lack of devotion. And for the rest of us that look Christians, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, let's not kid ourselves. Let's not kid ourselves. Unless he is first with our money, he's not first. We're not following Jesus. We're using Jesus. So let's not forget his words. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Watch it. Let's pray. Father, in the silence, I would ask that you work. And in that spiritual realm, I've got no doubt that for so many of us, is just the awareness of this topic alone. There'd just be a spiritual tightening of the strings around the things which we believe to be precious to us. And so, Lord, we invite you into that space now to bry our fingers off the things which we have deemed to be ours. And that we would open ourselves to you and would ask that your spirit lift our eyes up to the realities as to who you are. That we would be a people as David once cried, who are we to be a people as generous as this? Where everything comes from your hand, Lord. But Father, this morning our presence here is not only a declaration of so many faithful people who have gotten all that we've talked about this morning. But Father, I would desperately pray for each and every one of us, including myself that we would be a people not blinded by the wonder and the prosperity and the beauty and the abundance of stuff that is around us here in this beautiful part of the world. And that, Father, that each of us would have, as I've prayed this morning, both the openness, but, Lord, more realistically, the courage to be open to you and to listen to you and to take steps forward in trust, where we would let go of these things that we hold so dear. And that we would await the ways in which you will free us, liberate us, lead us into deeper sense of joy as we move to ends that are beyond us. Work in us now, Father, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.